Hey everyone, I've been down for the count the past 10 days with COVID. I'm making a very gradual recovery, but I am still very much in recovery. So bear with me today if I'm a little disorganized. I do want to mention before the show starts that if you want to support me on Patreon, I hope that you will. Please go to patreon.com slash countermelody where you can join my growing number of supporters. It's been a very busy summer thus far, but I'm hoping to put together a bonus episode for you next week. And also, if you like the podcast, help me get the word out so that I can build my audience. Because I like the product that I'm producing, and I hope that, if you're listening to it, you like it too. But enough said about that. Here's the first of four in my Pride 2022 series. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. As always, I am your host, Daniel Gundlach. No preaching here, No lecturing, well, maybe just a tiny bit of each, but the primary spotlight will always be on the singers that enrich and enhance our lives, no matter what is going on in the world around us. Thanks for joining me. This week's episode. I know. I'll, I'll sing them all and we'll stay all night. Hey, everybody. It's Judy Garland's 100th birthday today. You just can't get more gay than that. Well, maybe you can. For instance, here's Judy's performance of San Francisco, the first act closer from her legendary. April 23rd, 1961, Carnegie Hall concert, which was, as you can hear, well-peopled by a multitude of fans, a huge number of them, gay men. I never will forget Jeanette McDonald. Just to think of her, it gives my heart a pang. I never will forget how that brave Jeanette just stood there in the ruins and sang and sang. San Francisco, open your golden gate, you'll let nobody wait outside your door. San Francisco, here is your wandering one, saying I wonder no more. Other places only make me love you best. Tell me you're the one in all the golden west. San Francisco, I'm coming home again, never to roam again, never to roam. 
Brooklyn Bridge, London Bridge, and the Bridge of San Luis Rey. But the only bridge that's a real gone bridge is a bridge. That version of San Francisco, a song first heard in a 1936 film that starred, as you heard, Jeanette MacDonald, was specially tailored for Judy by Roger Edens, who was her arranger and musical mentor all the way back to her days at MGM. Edens created this version for Judy when she appeared in a live concert engagement in San Francisco in the year 1959. And it became a centerpiece to her live shows. In fact, the first half of her programs would generally end with San Francisco. So there's one link, of course, to the gay community, because what other city is more gay and has more gay associations than San Francisco? Edens, by the way, was another gay man who both revered and propped up Judy Garland. I'm really not interested in doing a hagiography of this iconic star. I'm also not interested in, as so many people seem to do all too frequently, simply cut her down to earth and expose all of her foibles. We all know her foibles. I want to celebrate her performing genius through an examination primarily of live performances from the latter portion of her career. At the same time, I'm not going to shy away from her flaws and her difficulties as a human being. But that's not going to be the focus of the episode. Is that okay with you? Good. Same here. I'm going to attempt to follow the lead of Dirk Bogard, who was Judy's co-star in her final film, I Could Go On Singing. He said, Judy is a schizo. Judy is a mess. Judy is a genius. Okay, let me stop talking. Let's just listen to an alternate studio version of the song Stormy Weather by Harold Arlen with words by Ted Kohler. Arlen played such an important musical role in Judy's career. Can't go Everything I 
together Keeps raining all the time Keeps raining all the time I walk around heavy hearted and sad Night comes around and I'm still bad rain pouring down blinding every hope I had this pittering pattering beating and spattering drives me mad love 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 this misery is just too much for me can't go together keeps raining all the time keeps raining all the Look, I don't want to be separatist about this at all. You don't have to be gay to love Judy Garland. But I've got to say, it does help. Like so many people, my first exposure to Judy Garland was, of course, through The Wizard of Oz. And if you are a queer person, especially one of a certain age, you tend to see both Judy Garland and The Wizard of Oz through a gay prism. I mean, I've just been taking notes here. You hear me shuffling my papers? And I have all of these ways in which The Wizard of Oz is pretty frickin' gay, okay? First of all, those three queer men that accompany her on this trip to the over-the-top Emerald City, which is about the gayest place since San Francisco, looks like to me. Another thing that strikes me as pretty gay is this longing to belong somewhere, this longing to find a place where you can fly free. Again, if you grew up feeling pretty repressed and with your wings tied, that was a longing that was just palpable. The generation of gay men before me would use code words to suss each other out. Are you a friend of Dorothy? That was a big one. You know, did you love The Wizard of Oz? Did you love Judy Garland? And what about the rainbow flag, that symbol of gay pride? I simply cannot believe that Gilbert Baker, who created the first gay flag, 
did not take at least some unconscious inspiration from the image of the rainbow as it occurs in The Wizard of Oz. Then there's always the question of the Stonewall Riots. It has been suggested that it is no coincidence that Judy's funeral took place in New York on the same day as the first of the Stonewall Riots. There are naysayers, of course, who say that the instigators down at Stonewall knew nothing of Judy Garland and couldn't have cared less about her. But I did read somewhere that when you had to sign in at the door to get into the Stonewall Inn, you had to pay the admission, and then you had to give your name. Who was going to give their real name at the door to a gay club when that could easily get you fired, ostracized, God knows what else? So many people gave, as an alias, the name Judy Garland. So she was very much in people's awareness, I would say. The desperation and heartbreak and rage that so many gay people were feeling because of the death of their beloved Judy could very well have been the straw that broke the camel's back. Who is to say there's another woman, perhaps the other gay icon, who was just coming up as Judy was reaching her artistic peak, that is the early 1960s. Who am I talking about but Barbara? And Barbara is another gay icon that has figured so prominently in my life and in so many of our lives. Let's listen to that classic moment on The Judy Garland Show, which took place, mind you, pre-Funny Girl. Judy absolutely insisted that Barbara be a guest star on the show. And evidently, it was she who thought of doing a mashup of their two big happy numbers, Judy's Get Happy and Barbara's Happy Days Are Here Again. At any rate, it is a moment of sheer joy and mutual admiration. And I love it and them both so much. So thrilling, so absolutely thrilling. (laughs) I must say that we've got all your albums at home, you know. And you're so good that I, I hate you. <laughs> I really hate you. You're so good. Oh, Judy, that's, that's so sweet of you. Thank you, you know. You're so great that I've been hating you for years. <laughs> In fact, it's my ambition to be great enough to be hated by as many singers as you. Oh, well, that, that's a nice thing for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Say more. Say more. Oh, <laughs> I love you. I love you, too, but... But don't stop hating me. I need the confidence. No, no, no. <laughs> and if you ever get a little, you know, feeling of lack of security, call <laughs> me on the phone and sing a couple of notes to me, and I'll give you hatred like you've never got. <laughs> Forget your trouble. Happy days. Come on, get happy. I hear again a chance. above a Shout hallelujah. So let's sing a song. Come on and have me cheer again. Get ready Happy for days the are here again. The sun is shining together. Come on and have me shout it now. Shout hallelujah. 
boys get happy about it now. We're happy days are here again. We're heading across the river. Soon your cares will all be gone. There'll be There's another gay icon who's associated with Judy, of course, and that's her daughter, Liza Minnelli. So let's just ponder family associations here for a moment or two. Judy's father was gay. Liza's father was gay. Of Judy's five marriages, two of them were to gay men, including, of course, Liza's father. And Liza also was married to a gay man who, in fact, this is going to make your head spin, was actually having an affair with Judy's fourth husband. So if we're talking about connections to the gay community, perhaps that's not what one first has in mind. And yet, I guess let's just say strange bedfellows. Anyway, enough of the gossip. Judy did so much to support both of her daughters, Liza and Lorna, in their respective singing careers. And both of them have stated so many times how much love there was in that household. Yes, it may have been a little chaotic, but there was also a lot of love. An incredible moment in mutual Judy-Liza history was a joint appearance at the London Palladium in November of 1964, just a few months after Judy's TV show was unceremoniously canceled by CBS. And speaking of Barbara, here are Judy and Liza performing one of Barbara's big numbers from Funny Girl, which had recently opened on Broadway. Now this is, they can just vamp, they can just vamp while I try to explain. It's a very exciting night for me. Naturally, I'm back home and Liza's here with me. And I think that's kind of marvelous. And I don't know one word of the next song. And it's really a tongue twister. So if I fail, you won't help me. No. Well, you shall we try? Fail. You think we'll make it? I don't know. Let's try, go. Don't tell me not to live, just sit and potter. Life's candy and the sun's a bowl of butter. Don't bring around the cloud to rain on my parade. Don't tell me not to fly, I simply got to. If something takes a spell, it's me and not you. Don't tell me I'm allowed to rain on my parade. Sir. 
satisfaction. All freckle on the nose of wise compression. The cinder of the shiny apple of his eye. Hey, I gotta try once, I gotta try once, only can I once fly it, sir. Ooh, life is juicy, juicy, and you see, I gotta have my bite, sir. Get ready for me, love, cause I'm a comer. I simply gotta march, my heart's a drummer. Don't bring me around a club to rain on my Judy filmed her version of A Star is Born in 1954. It was intended to be a big comeback for her, and all the stops were pulled out. But then the rugs sort of got pulled out from underneath Judy as well when the studio cut the final version of the film to smithereens and left an awful lot of it on the cutting room floor. And to those of us who love Judy, it's just too painful that she did not win the Oscar for her portrayal of Esther Blodgett, a.k.a. Vicky Lester, a.k.a. Mrs. Norman Maine, in that movie. Once again, Harold Arlen produced a song for Judy, which would become so closely identified with her, and which is really the centerpiece of this film. That's, of course, The Man That Got Away. And by the way... Since we're still considering gay iconography here, let's just think about this. There is a line from that movie, which became the title of Mark Crowley's 1968 play, The Boys in the Band, about a group of very unhappy gay men at a birthday party. As Esther is preparing to do her screen test, she is paralyzed by stage fright, something that also plagued the real-life Judy Garland, by the way. She finds herself paralyzed with fear, and Norman Maine, a.k.a. James Mason, is encouraging her simply to be herself. And he says to her, It's the downbeat club at three o'clock in the morning, and you're singing for yourself and for the boys in the band, mainly for yourself. Not every performance that Judy gave of this song was exactly the same. In fact, the one that she did live in Paris in October 1960 is 
a little bit more Apollonian, I want to say. There's a little bit more emotional distance until she finally pulls this big punch. It actually makes for a very strong performance, I think. Anyway, see what you think compared with some of the other versions that you've probably also heard. Good riddance, goodbye. Every trick of his You're on to But fools will be fools And where's he gone to The road gets rougher It's lonelier and tougher With hope you burn up big fan in Judy's live performances of those moments when she really scales it back and does numbers accompanied only by piano. And in Paris, she did a special mashup of Cole Porter's I Love Paris and Vernon Duke and Yip Harburg's April in Paris. She's accompanied by the pianist David Lee here, And it's a wonderful opportunity to hear Judy do these songs, which she didn't sing all that frequently. I love Paris in the springtime. I love Paris in the fall. I love Paris in the summer when it sizzles. I love Paris in the winter when it drizzles. I love Paris every moment, every moment of the year. I love Paris. Why, oh why do I love Paris? Because my love is here. 
nuts in blossom Holiday tables under the trees April in Paris This is a season No other words can reprise I never knew the charm of spring Never met it face to face I never knew my heart could sing Never missed a warm embrace Till Can I run to? What have you done to my heart? I love Paris every moment, every moment of the year. I Because my love is here Because my love is here Everyone admits that that Carnegie Hall event was one of the greatest moments in show business history. You can hear it all because it was recorded professionally by Capitol Records and released for posterity. The most recent reincarnation of this includes a lot more of the stage patter. Now, that Carnegie performance was the culmination of a long tour both in the U.S. and also in some select European cities that reached its culmination at that legendary evening at Carnegie Hall in April 1961. Paris in 1960 was one of them. About six weeks later, the show was also done in Amsterdam. This was also recorded for radio broadcast, as was the Paris concert, but a radio recording is not quite the same as a professional recording that's going to be released on LP. Nevertheless, this was one of Judy's really gorgeous performances, and it has been re-released on a wonderful remastered edition. So I'm going to play a couple clips of that concert for you. The first is the song You Go To My Head, which has a wonderful sort of samba arrangement here. You know, Judy always had the most crackerjack musical arrangers, and I don't know if this was done by Mort Lindsay, who led the orchestra in the Judy Garland show and did all of those arrangements, or by one of her other collaborators, but it is really a fabulous version, and it's one that she performed 
on that entire concert tour. And here's something funny to notice. She always seems to go up on the words in exactly the same place in every single live version that I've heard, no matter where the performance took place. But I do think that in Amsterdam, she covers her mistake most charmingly. The thrill of the thought that you might give a thought to my plea casts a spell over me. So I say to myself, get a hold of yourself. Can't you see that it never can be? You go to my head when I forgot the gall darn words. With a thousand lies, you intoxicate my soul with your eyes. Though I'm certain that this heart of mine hasn't a ghost of a chance in this crazy romance, you go to my head. Once again, there's that beautiful, intimate moment that I'd also like to share with you. This is the Rodgers and Hart song, You're Nearer, which was written for the film version of Too Many Girls, which starred, who remembers, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Anyway, in the movie, this song was lip-synced by Lucy, and in this version, Judy is accompanied once again by David Lee's solo piano. Now that there is a good deal of chronological distance between when these now legendary performances took place and from our current day perspective, we can observe a little bit more dispassionately with a little bit more emotional distance to what is so powerful about these renditions. It's their authenticity, I submit to you, that continues to move me and so many others who love Judy Garland and also continues to win her new fans all the time. You're nearer than my head is 
to the pillow Nearer than the wind is to the willow Dearer than the rain is to the earth below Precious as the sun to the things that grow So much of Judy's repertory references vaudeville, including some pretty horrifically racist songs, which I'm simply not offering today, but which were some of her biggest and most popular hits. But there are other songs, also very much part of the great American songbook, that came straight from the Broadway stage. And not all of them are necessarily well-remembered today. Robert Wright and George Forrest, of course, are very famous for their shows Kismet and Song of Norway in particular. And both of those musicals are adaptations from original music by other composers. Borodin in the case of Kismet and Grieg in the case of Song of Norway. One of their lesser-known shows was called Keen and was based on the life of the Shakespearean actor Edmund Keen. It had a very limited run of only 92 performances between December 1961 and January 1962. It once again starred Alfred Drake, who of course was so vital to the success of Kismet. As far as I can determine, the music of Keen is not based on any other composer but rather is original work by this composer-lyricist pair, who were also, by the way, a pair in real life. In 1961, Judy did a studio recording of the one quasi-standard number from that musical called Sweet Danger. And here is that relatively rare recording, which I believe was only released as a single. There is danger in my loving you Danger in your letting me Danger in your not instantly abandoning And 
forgetting me Sweet danger, sweet danger When we know we can share Unbounded beauty if we dare Destined for divided paths, fated to be far apart, and there's danger in defying fate with a foolhardy heart. Sweet danger, sweet danger. So why should we beware? Unlike some of those other powerhouse female entertainers that I mentioned earlier, Judy did not exude self-confidence. She always seemed to be in doubt of her own abilities, and she suffered from crippling stage fright. But on the other hand, as her daughter Liza said, during the bad days, I'm sure she would have perished without those wonderful audiences. And what did Judy give to her audiences? She gave them sincerity. She gave them performances that were heart on sleeve and delivered with a voice that even until the very end of her relatively short life was capable of sounding forth like a trumpet up to and including her final live performance in 1969. I do believe that the Judy Garland show represents the artist at her absolute artistic, musical, and vocal pinnacle. And we're going to hear a number of songs that were first heard on the Judy Garland show, but which were not really part of her active repertoire. In spite of this, she gives near-definitive performances of many favorite songs. I don't need to go into the whole nightmare of her life at MGM. This was the beginning of a horrific pattern of drug and alcohol abuse. In a way, I don't want to be melodramatic about this, but in a way, Francis Gum was turned into Judy Garland, who became a sacrificial lamb for those who loved seeing her on the silver screen. There was a reason she got put up there in the first place, and that is that she was a born entertainer. She had music in her bones. We know all about her recalcitrance 
as she entered her 20s in particular, and stopped showing up at the studio and eventually was fired. One of the movies that she was fired from was Royal Wedding, in which she was supposed to appear opposite Fred Astaire. Finally, in 1963, she got around to singing the song Too Late Now, which was turned into a standard by Jane Powell, who replaced her in the movie. Here's Judy's performance, again, on a very intimate scale, of that song, Too Late Now, which I believe was the first episode to be recorded, but not the first one to be telecast. Once again, she is accompanied simply by piano here. Too late now to forget your smile The way we'd cling when we danced a while Too late now to forget and go on with some Another heartbreaking performance by Judy is of a song from the late 20s called A Cottage for Sale by Willard Robeson and Larry Conley. She also sings this accompanied only by piano. Our little dream castle With every dream gone Is lonely and silent Shades are all drawn And my heart is heavy As I gaze upon 
cottage for sale. The lawn we were proud of is waving in We planted roses, the weeds seem to say, a cottage for documented how badly Judy was misunderstood and mistreated by CBS executives during the production of that single season of The Judy Garland Show. But when her friend and our president, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated, she insisted on performing the Battle Hymn of the Republic against all the objections of the TV studio bigwigs. Here is just a portion of that heartbreaking and earth-shattering performance. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. While
like it was yesterday, the day that she died. It was my sister's birthday. We had been out with my Aunt Judy. We were coming back at the end of the day. It was early evening, and the evening newspaper was waiting inside the back screen door as we entered their house. And there was the newspaper, and I picked it up, and I saw the headline, Troubled Life Ends for Judy Garland. And I was so upset. It didn't help that I had lost my own grandfather not so long before that, and I was quite conscious of what death was by this point. I knew nothing about Judy's troubled life, but it made me so sad to see that headline, thinking that Judy, Dorothy, was gone and that her life had been an unhappy one. Of course, her children, Liza and Lorna in particular, have spoken repeatedly about the fact that Judy's was not an unhappy life, that she was not a victim because she insisted on living life with joy in spite of everything, all of the hardship. And I think a song that illustrates this perfectly was another one that she sang on the Judy Garland show, and that is the Charlie Chaplin song, Smile. Light up your face with gladness Hide every trace of sadness Although a tear may be ever so near That's the time you must keep on trying Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile If you just Light up your face with gladness Hide every trace of sadness Judy's life were pretty messy ones, but there were still some high points, and I'm going to share a few of those with you. In the summer of 1967, she returned to the Palace Theater 
in New York and treated her audience during the month of August 1967 with performances of, among other things, this astounding song, What Now, My Love. It's one of those French ballads. It's by Gilbert Becot. Originally, the words are a maintenant, but of course, we know it as What Now, My Love. And here it is from Judy's last official record release. It was recorded on the first two or three nights of the show and rushed into production. And here it is. wonderful Judy reissues of extremely rare live material that I'm so lucky to have in my collection, and I'm going to share two of those with you. They're both from a release called Swan Song's First Flights, which features really remarkably remastered versions of some late Judy performances. This one took place in Philadelphia just about a year after the Palace Theatre engagement, and less than a year before her untimely death. I believe the show was a one-off, I could be wrong about that, but she sings the song By Myself, which she had performed so memorably in her final film, I Could Go On Singing, and also in a performance that was cut from the final episode of The Judy Garland Show. There is such rage, there's such desperation, there is fury, and there is resolve. And you hear that all in this 1968 live performance from Philadelphia. Bye. 
I've not been talking a lot about those last two marriages and the emotional roller coaster on which our beloved Judy was riding and really heading for the final crash. Her final performance in public took place on the 25th of March, 1969, in Copenhagen. Her friend, the singer Johnny Ray, was sharing the bill with her. He opened for her and then... Of course, Judy came out and did her thing. And this last performance features the song Just in Time, which is a little heartbreaking given the context. It's that wonderful song from Bells Are Ringing by Julie Stein with words by Betty Comden and Adolph Green. Maybe by this time there was no rescuing her. But even here, the voice rings out true and strong. And I'm sorry, for me as a gay man of a certain age, to hear a performance of such connectedness from someone who was at the end of their tether. I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, a tired old queen, but to me, it really moves me. Just in time you found me Just in time before you came My time was running I was lost, the losing dice were tossed, my bridges over cross, nowhere to go.
Judy's final song that she sang on the Judy Garland show was Here's to Us by Cy Coleman and Carolyn Lee from the popular musical Little Me. She changes the words somewhat so that it becomes almost an artistic credo. And I have to say, it was a symbiotic relationship between Judy and her fans that created this absolutely magical, alchemical reaction. We'll never see the like of her again. I'm convinced of it. Hope that I've done my beloved Judy justice. Next week, I have a completely different pair of gay icons to present to you. Do join me then. I want to bring Judy into the present day as well. A further celebration of Judy Garland as gay icon comes from perhaps an unusual place. And that is the powerful queer performer Taylor Mack who is an extraordinary singer, performer, and creator who simply goes from strength to strength. These days when everyone is being very specific about their pronouns, Taylor's, it's a little queer, (laughs) but Taylor's pronouns are Judy. So there's another gay connection. Now we haven't heard Over the Rainbow, and we have to hear Over the Rainbow. There is no denying the power and poignancy of the 16-year-old Judy Garland's performance of that song in the 1939 film, The Wizard of Oz. But in later concert and television performances, Judy's performance takes on an almost unbearable poignancy, a longing for something that simply hadn't happened and couldn't happen and wasn't going to happen. And why wasn't it going to happen? So full of regret, and yet still hoping against hope that maybe, just maybe, there might be a place beyond the rainbow where troubles melt like lemon drops. I suggest that Judy's interpretation first began taking on this added layer when she performed it in 1952 in her first appearance at the Palace Theater in New York. By now, she had been fired from MGM, but her greatest 
career triumphs were still ahead of her. A Star is Born, The Judy Garland Show, the legendary Carnegie Hall appearance. Each time she sings the song, it's the definitive version. But back in 1952, the voice still had a little bit more of the bloom of youth, perhaps. Just as she was on the threshold of greater accomplishment, so also was she on the threshold of ever more heartbreak. And so it's that performance that I'm going to present to you right now. Happy little bluebird. 
song in your hearts and Daniel Gundlach